Let's uh, look at um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. <clears throat> uh, I thought maybe that with a title like mine, I'd get the most people because they asked me what I wanted to call it, and I said, let's just call it Unwrapping the Gifts. Some of you surely are here for the gift, aren't you? Well, there's plenty of them to be passed around. We're going to talk about them tonight. Uh, I, they may just, our primary chapter up here, if you have your Bible, of course, you can, um, I'm not going to, tonight, I'm probably not going to uh, go away from First Corinthians chapter 12 tonight. <clears throat> and uh, it's 10 minutes till, and uh, so we'll, I'll, 12 minutes till, something like that. I can, best I can get it's about 10 minutes till. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 12, let's begin with verse 1, and would you please uh, follow with me? Probably right here is your best situation with looking at me, and, and if you'll follow with me, please. Um, I will feel like that I don't have to work as hard if I don't feel like I'm losing your attention. This is a teaching class, and I know that God has some things for us here tonight. <clears throat> now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that ye were Gentiles, carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Making it pretty clear that he is primarily teaching to non-Jewish people. Some of them, no doubt, involved, but non-Jewish primarily. For Wherefore, I give you to understand. This is my desire is to help you understand the gifts and the spiritual workings of the Spirit. I'm, I'm going to stop along the way. If, if you would uh, go to verse 1. <clears throat> Concerning spiritual gifts, and um, we've mentioned occasionally through time that in the translation of Bible into English, that occasionally a word has to be added so that we can understand it in English. I know that even just changing from English to Spanish, uh, sometimes they have to uh, put an extra word in there. Uh, there's otherwise the word in the English Bible is not in the Spanish Bible. I know in the Thai Bible it's the same way in various Bibles. The word gifts is not there in except it's added in the English Bible. I don't know if it's in the other Bibles or not, but the rest of the chapter makes it in us know that it is talking about gifts because it uses the word gifts numerous other times down through here. But I do want us to focus on the fact that if the word gifts was not there, we would be saying, now concerning spiritual, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. So it's not just like speaking in tongues or not just prophecy or not just one thing or another, but he is speaking to us about understanding spiritual things. And so I think it's important, I know it's important for us to broaden our thinking that it's not just speaking of, well, if I don't have the gift of tongues or the interpretation of tongues or if I'm not a prophet, then why should I be interested in such things? Well, first of all, we cannot know what gift we may have until we're willing to unwrap it. <laughs> That's why one of the reasons I wanted to call this unwrapping the gifts is because how many times... Uh, coming up to Christmas or to the birthday or whatever it may be, a special time where there's a gift for one of our children or maybe for the husband, that they want to take it, shake it, turn it upside down, look at it, smell it, taste it. <laughs> no, I hope not. We certainly can find out if it's a puppy. 
<laughs> but so concerning spiritual things, let's unwrap it. Let's look what's in it. See if there's not something for each one of us. Don't you know it's, it would be extremely rare for a father or a, any parent to give gifts to the family and leave one child out deliberately? Think about that. How many parents here, if you were, say it was Christmas or some family-wide holiday, and you knew you were going to have wife, husband, three children, and they were all underage, still at home, you were, they were still completely under your authority and your fatherhood, motherhood, in your roof, under your roof, in your house, and you're going to buy one for you, one for your wife, say if it's a man, you're going to buy one for Susie Jr., but not the third one or whatever. Now, that doesn't make sense. So in uh, the same token, as we go through this, I want you to understand that the Scripture here is telling us that there is not one single individual in the church of the living God that is left out, that God is not giving some type of a gift of a spiritual nature to us. <clears throat> go to verse 3, please. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. If you're spiritual, if you're walking in the Spirit, you're going to know who Jesus is. You're going to call it, you're going to know He's your Lord. He is the Lord. And if, and if a person begins to say that Jesus is accursed and that Jesus is not real, then you'll know that He is not speaking by the Spirit of God. Verse 4, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. Verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. And again, I want to express, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man, almost every man, most people, everybody but me. That's not what it says, is it? It's given to every man. That means every person, every hum humanity, all humanity that's in the church. Verse 8, for everyone, or excuse me, for to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another divers or different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit. Again, watch this. Dividing to almost everybody, everybody but me? No. Dividing to every man. Severally as he will. There's, growing up, my thoughts were that way as well as I no doubt some have considered that as well, coming into the church or growing up in the church either way, that we hear people prophesy, we hear, we see tongues, we hear tongues, interpretation of tongues, we see a preacher or somebody praying for somebody to get healed, we see uh, somebody uh, have a miracle, something happens supernatural here or there, and we assume that there's just a few very, 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 if you really think about it, let's think about it, very few people in all the body of Christ that we've ever seen do something that is noticeable, supernatural, spiritual gifts. 
So there's just a few sprinkled on this side, and there's a line, and then everybody else is on this side. This is not to force a gift. This is to entice you with a gift. As a matter of fact, I think that <clears throat> sometimes uh, growing up as a boy especially, the size of the box that was wrapped mattered to me. Uh, it seemed like it had to be more exciting if it was a big box. I remember some little sneaky uh, tricks that were played where they would take a big box and wrap a smaller, 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 smaller box <laughs> just to make it fun because they knew it would be exciting for the child to see a big box. But the fact is we don't know for sure what's in there until we open it up. It can be quite tricky until we open it up and see what's inside. So that's why I'm calling this unwrapping the gifts is because we need to realize that the gifts are for everybody. My father's not going to leave one member of his household out. No, he's not. Amen. So the bottom line is not whether or not God will give you a gift. The, the question is whether or not you will unwrap that gift. Whether or not you will go into that gift. Whether or not you will extract that gift out of what may be a packaging or something that obscures your view, pull it out, and then actually see how it works, and then go for it. I think that as we become more mature, it's like the difference between adults and children when it comes open the gift time. My wife bought some kind of appliance or something pretty big here a few days ago, and I go and she takes it out and puts it somewhere, when all that big, just had a lot of, you know, packaging around it. Pretty good sized box, a big box. I could get inside of it if I folded it up pretty nice. Maybe. It was a pretty good sized box. So I go in my little study there at the house, <clears throat> look over toward my desk, and there's this huge box sitting over there. And I looked and looked inside of it, it was empty. I said, Honey, what are you doing with this box? She said, I couldn't throw it away. I just thought about my grandkids playing in this box. Now, you know what I'm thinking about when I talk about gifts, when I talk about a box, and talk about kids. Because how many times in our life have we had a pretty good-sized box that our kids took the toy out of it, said, hmm, vroom, vroom, put it aside and jumped in the box, started having fun. <laughs> but the fact is, even as children of God, there is some Scripture that lets us know that some people seem to stay immature and they're always, you know, seemingly like children with the box. They just keep playing with the box. They want to slide down the hill in the box. They want to tumble in the box. They want to open the box, close the box, get inside, close it on top of us. All the things that children do. Turn flips in the box. But God wants us to be mature and realize there's something in that box. He wants us to take it out, look at it, Read the instructions about what's in that box and then use it as it should be used. Let's praise the Lord a minute. Praise God. Praise the Lord Jesus. Let's continue. I'm just going to do some expository teaching, and then we'll talk a little bit more. I have whatever it is, three or four weeks to do this, so I don't have to keep you here very long, I hope. finished up I went to verse 11 okay verse 12 for as the body is one hath many members 
And all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Talking about the body of Christ, the church. Verse 13, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been, excuse me, have been all made to drink into one Spirit. Now again, by one Spirit are most of us, by one Spirit are a lot of us, or by one Spirit have we all. We're all baptized, but by that one Spirit, whether it be Jews or Gentiles. Bond to free, and, and have all been, excuse me, have most of us, part of us, some of us, know all made to drink into one Spirit. Now, what's interesting here is this is, a, this is a verse in the midst of all this gifts of the Spirit teaching from the Apostle Paul to us. That, again, includes every person. Not only is it including every person into the gifts of the Spirit, but remember I pointed out in that verse 1 that the word gifts didn't have to be there. It does only to help us in English understand that all this chapter is about gifts, spiritual gifts, supernatural gifts. The spiritual here is not talking about human spirit, dog spirit, cat spirit. <laughs> it's not talking about angel spirit. It's talking about Holy Spirit. Because there's some places where there's a capital S and lets us know it's only God's Spirit. It is only by God's Spirit. It is not of ourselves. We can't, we can't make people talk fast enough to get them mixed up to speak in tongues and say that's a supernatural gift. It doesn't happen that way. Um, we can't, uh, we can't uh, practice something because it doesn't come from the flesh. It's not a spiritual slash supernatural gift if we can do it our own self within our own human means the spiritual here is speaking of god's spirit thus supernatural so i want to so then it is no the only thing that makes it easier for me to prophesy or give a, a, a message in tongues or interpretation in tongues or pray for somebody and then be healed the only thing that makes it easier for me is because i'm up in front of people more than you are the only thing that makes it easier for me the fact is, every one of us have some kind of a gift from God within us. We'll continue to talk about it as we go, and, and um, we'll read a little more about that. In verse 13, as we still look at it, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. If you look at this verse and you compare it with the book of Acts and other scriptures in the Bible, you find out that this is the way that we become a part of the body of Christ is by spirit, by one spirit. Therefore, people may say, do we need to be filled with the Holy Ghost to be a part of the body? This scripture says, by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. That's how we get in the body is by the new birth of the Spirit of God. Verse 14, for the body is not one member, but many. Watch this closely. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? No, that's not true. It's just a misunderstanding. Of course, the fact is the foot never said anything. Your foot said anything lately? Not to your ears, it hasn't. It may have said something to your nose. 
<laughs> or to somebody's, well, whatever. Uh, verse 16, if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, is therefore not of the body? He goes on to quite depth about this. He just goes on and on about it, doesn't he? So I will, I guess. Verse 17, or should I went, let's do 16 again. For if the ear should, shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? Excuse me. The whole body were hearing, where were the smelling? And now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it pleased him. So this is the fact. There's other places in the Bible, and we'll study it a little as we get deeper. But there are places in the Bible that tells us we can seek specific gifts. The Bible tells us we can seek specific gifts. But we need to be open to God and flexible and submitted, yielded to the point that God can do what He likes to do and he let Him choose the primary use of our life in the kingdom of God. Realize, really, uh, if any one of us may say, well, I don't, I don't really see that I could have a gift. I've tried, and I haven't, haven't really figured it out, or I haven't worked it out. Maybe it's been a few months. Maybe it's been a few years. Whatever the problem is, I can assure you it is not God saying I won't give it to you. That is just simply not a fact. That's one thing. Number two, if you're not unwrapping and then reaching in and taking it and, and then beginning to use it, then you, uh, that may be something to do with it. But it's not a lack of God giving because the Bible says it, and by the facts of what I've known over all these years, it's a fact. God does give capabilities, gifts, supernatural abilities to every single member of his body. And now that's just where it comes, where somebody says, well, I'm not the eye, then I'm not of the body. I'm not the foot, then therefore I'm not of the body. You see, otherwise, I'm not doing what he's doing, therefore I'm not important. I'm not doing what she's doing, therefore I must not be important, or I must not be of the body, or something's wrong with me or God. It may not be any of that. Sometimes it's just as simple as the fact that we do not pursue enough. We do not study enough. We do not put forth the effort enough. And many times, here's a big one right here. Many times it's simply that we don't recognize what God is doing in us. We don't recognize what God's doing in us. Because we're not, there again, it's letting us know that it's so many various gifts and so many various ways. Not only does he say gifts, but he said within those gifts, there's many different administrations. So therefore, you may have one gift that can be administrated a hundred, maybe a thousand different ways. It may be one single gift another way, but it may be, it says, and there are differences of administration, and there are diversities of operations. So it may be just simply because we're not administrating a particular gift like we saw Brother So-and-so or Sister So-and-so. That's why I think these things are important, because really, until we feel that we're some use in the kingdom of God, it's doubtful we're really going to get in completely 100%. It's only when we realize that we have a, an actual calling, we have an actual purpose in the body of Christ that we actually engage. And you know, 
until we realize we have a, there's a need for us. There's a need for me. Until we realize that, there won't be a lot of reason to come very I'll try. At least I'll know where to take my hand back from when it quits working. Thank you. Next time, let's buy, you can touch the bottom microphones. <laughs> it's, only, it's only $5 more. <laughs> Help me, Lord. <clears throat> Verse 19. And if they were all one member, where were the body? <laughs> you know, otherwise, what would there be? Just a big arm, you know, plopping along. <laughs> or an eyeball rolling down the road. Verse 20. But now are they many members, yet but one body. Look, it's not just me in 2015. It's Apostle Paul all the way back there in the first century church explaining to the people, everybody's got a purpose. And once we realize there's a purpose, it'll really make you engage. I mentioned, I said it as kind of a joke Sunday morning that sometimes I didn't feel like coming to church. And my wife says, you have to, you're the pastor. You know, they're expecting you. I wonder... Uh, if it would give us more incentive to do more for God and maybe even be more tentative to church, but also attentive after we get to church, if we knew that there was an absolute, there's going to be an absolute empty spot if we didn't hit our note. Um, when we had the orchestra going, it was an interesting thing, and even whether it be that or the other music, but with the orchestra. Every now and then, the composer would write something in there that maybe only a couple of instruments, and in some cases, if it was only one of those, one instrument might have a few notes all by themselves. And it really works to accentuate all the music when it comes back in when you bring it down to one or two instruments by themselves. And it's in those moments that if that one is not there, then you really know somebody has really missed their mark. They've missed their place. I'll tell you, my wife and I has always said, when we go to church, we got to make sure that we're right with God between each other. We have made a lot of efforts over the years. Oh, folks, we have done some making up an hour before church. Me knowing I was going to have to preach, and I have never been satisfied to preach a sermon. I've always wanted to know that I was going to touch God and touch the people and let the people hear what God said. I, have, I just cannot do it otherwise. And my wife really can't. And years back, she used to do whatever that Danae does. Well, everybody but me. <laughs> pretty much everything everybody does except me, she used to do pretty much most of that, except for, the, of course, she didn't play instruments. But the leading of the service, the song service, the choir, anything to do with music and anything to do with, with uh, you know, leading worship and all that was her job. So she knew she had to get right with God, if it, even if it included saying, honey, forgive me. I know that's really a hard one. And I had to get right with God, even if it meant me saying, honey, forgive me, because we needed to be right with God when we got to church. And we were serious about it. 
And I do think that's one of the reasons why Souls Harbor is where we are now instead of where we were 42 years ago. And uh, I know that God is His church. He's the one that builds it, but He does use us. We are members of the body of Christ, and He's saying it right here. He uses, he's depending on us. And I had to get right with God, and she had to get right with God, because we knew if it wasn't for us being right with God, the church wasn't going to hear from God. I still feel that way. Coming, getting ready for church tonight, we even had a discussion. I said to her, I said, you know, I said, how long would you like for me to go? She said, 35 minutes. And I said, okay, I, that's good. That's really good. I said, I, I've, I've thought about that many times, and we weren't arguing, honestly. We were just having a nice discussion, one of the very few times. No, I'm, kidding. I'm kidding about that, too, I hope. But um, we had a great discussion. But I was just, you're just talking as we was getting ready to come on over here, and and uh, I was saying, you know, through the years I've prayed about it. And I've thought about, Lord, you know what? What would happen if people, I mean, I, I'm thinking about all you men and women out there. Many of you own your jobs. Many of you got more than one job. Many of you maybe are in between. You're working a day job and you're leaving and going on 11 o'clock shift. Who knows what you're doing? Are you going on a place to work after you get through here tonight? Many of you came here without dinner. Many of you ate a real quick dinner to get here. Whatever. Some of you, instead of taking a shower, you just kind of sprayed and prayed and came right on. <clears throat> whatever the case, you got here. My question to my wife was, I said, really, I wonder how many people would come on a Wednesday night if they weren't really coming to receive something. I mean, there would be a, I think there would be a certain amount of it that simply show up and say, you know, I don't want to be embarrassed if somebody asked me Sunday, where were you Wednesday? You know, I don't, maybe there may be a few. But I think most people come to church on Wednesday night because they really expect to receive something from God. They really needing something. They need something to help them through the week. Amen. I really don't think that most people come to the church service, especially on midweek or something like this, especially when they're having split sessions, unless they're coming to receive something. So if, if it can be done in 30, 35 minutes, absolutely awesome. See there? You can teach old dogs new tricks. <clears throat> but if it, if it, if it, needs to be done in 45 or 50 minutes or an hour, then whatever it takes, we need to hear from God. I don't believe we've come to church for just to be here. And now the, the next step from that is that we didn't come to church just to receive, but when we come to church knowing that we actually have a part to contribute, it really adds another dimension to our being at the house of God. Uh, and, you know, this is interesting. In smaller churches... People can feel more important because in, in a real small church, you may only have one for the preacher, one for the preacher's wife, one to lead song service, one to play the piano, one to play maybe a guitar, one to do this, one to do that, one to do that, and then pretty much almost everybody's got a job to do, and it's obvious, it's easy to say A, B, C, D, E, F, G. As the church grows, and God wants the church to grow, for us to say, I want to go to a small church, is for us to say, I really don't care a doodly squat bit about the rest of the world. They can all be lost. Because if every church had 70 people, which they say is the national average of all denominations, if everybody wanted to go to a church of 70 members, then you know as well as I do that they would be 
even far more percentage of people lost and undone without God as there are today. Every church needs to be packed and overflowing. Every church needs to be growing. Every church needs to be building. Every church needs to be multiplying even into more churches. Praise God. And pastor is strongly pushing toward daughter works and right now lighthouses and outreaches and out um, Bible studies. We know that the churches, even though they had worship services throughout the cities, and like Ephesus, they were huge metropolitan cities, huge. That we know there were times when they wrote, when you all come together. So there were some meeting times, and that's what I think what pastor has in mind, even for smaller groups to come to the mother church. Verse 21. The eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of thee. Verse 22. Nay, much more of those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. I'll tell you what, I don't think about my pinky finger too much unless somebody gets a hold of it and starts twisting it. And I guarantee I can go to my knees. <laughs> and you could too. Just get it like that and start pushing. <laughs> yeah. Even the small parts of the body become very important when you begin to realize how sensitive each can be and what they could contribute. Let's, let's talk about this some. And the um, Bible even goes so far as to say if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all members are rejoiced with it. <clears throat> I was in a meeting a few months ago where someone, I think it was a kind of a discussion meeting, and... Uh, they said, you ever noticed how that it seems to always be easier for people to weep with them that weep than for some reason that it is to rejoice with them that rejoice? I don't mean for every, every person, but for some. It seems to be easier, like somebody's going through a real bad time, troubled, down and out, you know, down to luck, you know, over, downtrodden, run over, and they're crying and weeping. It seems to be easier to go weep with that one than it is somebody that's doing the best they ever did, no blessing they ever been, things are going better than it's ever gone, and that's actually, you don't, don't misunderstand me. We actually, if they're weeping, we actually take time out, and we're willing to go, and we're willing to put our around, I know it is bad, I know it, I know I've been doing, I know, you know, Okay? So, but then when some people are doing good and great and wonderful and better than they've ever done, it's like, oh, they're doing good. Don't worry about it. Okay. All right. That's, that's typical, right? That's typical. They're all right. Don't worry. I don't need to take my time. Don't worry about it. But the Bible didn't just stop and weep with them that weep. Did it? It went to the other side and it says rejoice with them that rejoice. So, Sometimes we, are, we don't receive all the benefits because we do get lopsided. And I told you, somebody else brought this up in a discussion group here a few weeks ago, somewhere I was, don't even remember where. We weep with them that weep and actually take time. We actually come aside. We're actually willing to get at the altar, put our arm around them. Really? You know, oh, God. But when somebody's got a super blessing or something's the best they've ever been, can we take that same time and just absolutely rejoice and get excited? Like, yes! God blessed you. Yes! 
God done something great for you. Yes. I'll tell you what's amazing is somebody can come up, and, and I don't mean to make this. I'm, I, this is the way it is, and I don't mean to make it sound disrespectful. But someone can come up, and they're somebody leading them up, and please, please understand me. All the hair is gone from chemotherapy. They're very feeble. Their bones are sticking out. Their joints, they're very feeble. They're shuffling. Maybe have an extra thing here with some IVs in. And we can just weep and cry and believe God for a miracle. And then God heals them. And somebody comes to the church and says, God healed brother so-and-so. Yeah, amen. Okay, that's the next thing. <laughs> okay? Can I get through a little bit? I realize that we may not take as much time to rejoice as we did to weep, but we need to maybe be more thoughtful of it than we are sometimes. Because this is a body. And the Bible, body, the Bible teaches us about the body and tells us these things concerning the members of the body that we should take time one for the other to, to, be, to suffer or to be honored and rejoice with it. Now, I'm going to touch upon this a little bit, the differences of the... Uh, gifts and then next week we'll pick it up and talk and go oh, actually go into the gifts he, he talks about the ear as opposed to the eye right I don't know much about the I'm not great in biology so I'm just going to name you four or five things on each of these but they're interesting the ear the one thing that I never knew in my life they claim the ear actually influences the taste what you hear has a bearing on how what you're eating tastes. It wasn't my idea. That's what the science, scientists are saying, biologists. It actually affects. Um, restaurants sometimes use certain music to, uh, to help your bon appetit. <laughs> um, there's three bones in the ear. And uh, they could all three fit jointly on a penny. Even though the ear canal is barely large enough, maybe at the most, at the most you might get a pencil eraser, maybe. And yet, as small as it is, it has 20,000 hairs. I know us old men know that. And all the barbers that cut old men's hair know that. But that's not just for old men. That's for sensory, and that's for cleanliness of the actual ear canal. The ear is important. Not only is the ear important, but every part of that ear is important if it's going to function right and keep on functioning right. I'm in this for the all the way home. I'm in this to stay till Jesus comes. I want God to help me love Him, live for Him. I want Him to help me be right in my heart, stay right in my heart, be ready when He comes. And really, if we just let it go like the, like the nature of earth does, weeds will grow up. The Bible said it would crowd it out, choke it out. Hot, 
scorching sun will burn it out and we will not flourish. But if we have all the parts, we'll make it all the way. The ears never stop hearing or functioning even when we are sound asleep. According to scientists, the ears function constantly even while we're asleep. Even if it doesn't arouse us or wake us up in any way, our ears are still working. Our hearing perception is working fine. Of course, the little thing that we learn after you get a little older, your ears have a lot to do with your balance. <laughs> your inner ear has something to do with how well you can even walk. So if the, if the feet say, I have no need of the ears, is that true? No, it's not true. <laughs> the feet needs the ears to work right. And, of course, the smallest bone in your body is in your ear. The foot has more than 100 muscles, tendons, and ligaments. The 52 bones in our feet make up one quarter of all the bones in our body. Wow. I know some of us have big feet, but that still don't seem to be 25% of our body. And it's not. But God knew we was going to be using our feet an awful lot. <laughs> and we need our feet. And we need them to work right. And God put a plenty of bones down there to do it. I know some of you women are going to believe this. There are 250,000 sweat glands in a pair of feet. 250,000 sweat glands in a pair of feet. They excrete <laughs> as much as a half a pint of moisture each day. A half a pint of moisture every day. Boys, that's why you have to change your socks. That's why you have to get those socks washed. That's why you have to put them shoes up there and let them air a little bit. <laughs> now you know why your mama or, whoever, or your wife or whoever tells you to get them shoes aired out and get those socks clean. The soles of your feet contain more sweat glands and sensory nerve endings per square centimeter than any other part of the body. Just a few things about the feet. Ladies, I gotta I gotta say something nice to you. Women are four times more likely to have foot problems than men. Most of that is due to footwear. A two and a half inch high heel <laughs> can increase the load of your forefoot by seventy five percent. You can wear you can wear high heels. I'm all for it. As long as you understand, you're putting extra seventy five percent more stress on the front of your feet. With just a two-and-a-half-inch heel. That's not my idea. That's according to the scientists. <laughs> just some things about the feet. We need to take care of our feet. they got to sweat, but we got to still clean them. we got to take care of our feet. I never, ever forget my gym coach fussed at us boys because we'd, we'd play gym, and then, you know, a bunch of 13-, 14-year-old boys, we'd go in there and just... But we didn't take a shower, just, just pull on our shoes, maybe socks, maybe. Pull on our shoes and just take off and head for the bus, wherever. And that old coach would say, you know, one of these days you're going to start running and your feet not going to carry you because you didn't take care of your feet. We didn't listen then, but we eventually did. And here I am telling you tonight. The, uh, the American Podiatric Medical Association says the average person takes 8,000 to 10,000 steps a day. 
I'm just showing you the need for our feet. <laughs> the, those two, what they call them, Pat and Mike, that we don't pay much attention to. We just walk on them all the time. <laughs> just walk on them. Sometimes other people walk on them for us. Like tonight, maybe I have walked on yours a little. <laughs> Spiritually or physically. Do you know what that does? That adds up, it says, in a lifetime, the average lifetime, 115,000 miles. You ever thought about walking from here to Japan or here to Australia, or from here, say, to Europe? You ever thought about walking? I know there's a sea, but what if it was a path? What if you could walk from here to there? Well, the, in your lifetime, according to this, this uh, podiatric association, you walk the equivalent of four times around the earth in your lifetime. That's what they say. I know some people that definitely don't. <laughs> I know some people that seem to do it in the prayer room. <laughs> and we're glad for every step for Jesus, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, let's talk about the hand. The hands. are so needed that I, you know you can imagine how different your life would be if you didn't have your hands. One out of every three emergency room injuries are related to the upper arms, arm hands. I didn't know this. I studied it today from more than one site, just some of these little details. Been studying the rest of it a long time, but it says fingers have no muscles. You say, well, buddy, I can pick up some pretty heavy stuff with one finger. It says finger has no muscles. What it is, the fingers are situated and the um, tendons and so forth, like strings, go up into the hand and wrist and give all the strength to the fingers. That's what it says. So the, the fingers are really, really dependent upon the hand, the rest of the hand. And the fingers and hand are really dependent upon what really is considered part of the hand on up onto the forearm. They're really dependent upon it. Couldn't do anything without this part. Tonight, that's the biggest thing I want to do is tell you how important all these parts are in our body. I didn't know this. Uh, the thumb itself is controlled by nine different muscles. 90% of women, 80% of men, forget that. Uh, <laughs> no more of that. They say the fingernail itself has no feeling. Of course, the skin beneath it really has a lot of feeling. <laughs> it says structurally fingernails are actually modified hair. Whatever that means. I'm still just going to use them the same. Your fingernail it takes about six months for it to grow from the right here all the way out. Six months. That's a lot of growing. I'm sure you wanted to know this. I can't even pronounce the person's name, but the longest fingernails ever grown on the earth was 20 feet long. I'm sure you wanted to know that. It took 48 years to grow them. Of course, that means that um, they probably chipped off a lot, didn't they? <laughs> Isaac Newton said in the, talking about the thumb, said in absent of any other function, the thumb alone would convince me of God's existence. 
when you compare it with all the other creatures of the earth. I think the last thing is smelling. People can, de can detect at least one trillion distinct scents with their smelling. One trillion. I don't need that many. Our scent sales are renewed every 30 to 60 days. Here's a good one I've never heard of before. It says you can actually smell fear. Now, that's in the sense of the word <laughs> of which it said. That wasn't meant to be a pun, but I guess it could be. It says it's because of certain things to do with sweat, certain things to do with emotions, that you can smell fear. Because of the things that are associated with fear, it says you can. Smell is a sense of that goes the furthest back in mammals or animals in all the history of the earth. The oldest sense of all creatures of the earth. Hey, women have better sense than men. Oh, I mean women have better sense of smell than men. <laughs> and my wife told me to quit, and I'm going to quit. <clears throat> I mean, she told me that before church. God bless you. I wanted you to get the idea. I want you to go home tonight with the idea that there is a need for every part of us. There is a need for every part of our body. There is a need for even things like fingernails and everything down to our pinky toe. There's a need. And I thank God that I'm in the body. And I'll tell you what, if you get to looking for that need, if you get to looking for what's in the box and what's in the wrapping, unwrap it, see what God's got for you. Praise God. Let's pray a minute. Lord, touch us tonight with your gifts. Touch us with your spirit. Give us an understanding of your spirit and your love and your grace. Give us an understanding of the need of each one of us. Help us to pray and seek you between now and next week that we can know more about what we're talking about and receive more about what's being said. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Praise God. I'd like for you to commit yourself to praying through this week when you're praying, God, help me to see or to know or to understand better about why I'm saved. If it was just to go to heaven, then God would save us and probably just kind of and take us to heaven. But there's a reason. The Bible all the way through from cover to cover gives us a lot of reasons why we're on this earth. And really, to tell you the truth, I, there's been a lot of questions in many, many years about why elderly people have to suffer. And I don't have all the answers for that. I'm not trying to give you all the answer now. But I know that in many God has his reasons. God has his reasons. And even when we see very elderly people being feeble, it does put something in the next generation. There's some kind of feeling that comes into us, and God's teaching us something that we will be able to use in our lifetime or teach our children. God bless you. In Jesus' name, anything else to be said or done? Well, if you need to go, you're dismissed. My wife is going to come, and don't be embarrassed if you need to go. She just wants to say something. God bless you.